God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today we're going to be talking a lot about Ukraine because, you know, it's uh, it's heating up there. And uh, we might be in some big trouble with respect to nuclear war. And, uh, you know, and the, the, we just need to look, take a, a quick look back at some of the history that's been going on in Ukraine. You know, and we we also see that the globalists have made this their their the hill they're they're willing to die on um but at other people's expense while they're off on their yachts in some safe harbor uh people that are living in Europe and in the United States are going to be put right in harm's way. Uh, not only are we are the globalists, and I include the Biden regime as part of this globalist tyranny across, around the world that was really fueled by cat- uh, catastrophes like COVID, and and then when COVID's not around, it's climate, and when climate's not around, it's war. And the military-industrial complex, because they're all making money off of this stuff. It's a never-ending saga of chaos and confusion. It's a never-ending attack on Christianity around the world. And it's a constant divisiveness. No matter what is right and no matter what is wrong, if there's harmony in the world, you better believe that there's going to be someone like Lindsey Graham or uh, Joe Biden or uh, John McCain when he was alive to just stoke the flames of divisiveness. Barack Obama, they're going to finance Hezbollah and Hamas to blow up Israel if Israel's in a, in a place of peace and harmony. If we have, say, something like the Abraham Accords, and normalization 
normalization of of business and commerce and humanity. No, that there's no money to be made there, folks. So what you do is you you go ahead and you stimulate divisiveness, whether it's critical race theory or trans cisgender crap here at home, whether it's tearing down our statues or blowing up our buildings, terrorist groups like the Marxist Black Lives Matter or Weather Other Underground, which are basically a bunch of old farts that are friends and financers of the Obama regime when he was in power, you know, Bill Ayers and such. But it's constant. You know, I was watching a, a, a documentary on, great documentary, by the way, on Don McLean and the American Pie song. It was a really great doc, documentary on Paramount Plus that I would recommend. But they were going back and the same kind of stuff that was going on back in the 60s, chaos, confusion, you know, and war. And, and and attacking the police and attacking the men and and setting buildings on fire and tearing statues down and changing uh, the way we think and believe, you know, none of that was good for America. None of it was, and we we just we we have lost our way, and we 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 all sort of want things to to go back to the way they were. In some way. Because whoever has gained ground or power, uh, either A, doesn't want it anymore. Um, the women are not, <laughs> the women's movement, for example. I mean, that whole thing. You know, they always had a right to her. I was looking at a uh, 1960s, uh, 61 movie, The Apartment, Billy Wilder. There was people of color. There was people, uh, a lot of women, fifty, more than 50% of women work, working at this depicted office, this insurance company. You know, things evolve and things figure out a way. The path of least resistance, commerce, capitalism. So long as the government stays out of their quota-based systems, I think that the quota-based systems and affirmative action have been a disaster. And... What we need is we need free market decision-making. Everything's based on a number. And if the, if, if, uh, you know, the, the most talented and the most affordable sets the market. But as soon as you get the government involved in social engineering, it becomes a problem. And right now we're in the same kind of chaos and confusion as we were in the struggles of the 60s were just man-made, created out of the whole cloth and thin air. What did these hippies really have to be grumpy about back in the 60s? You know, I mean, there was a war. And again, I can't help what the liberals do, but it was Lyndon Johnson that wanted that war, that senseless war and that conflict. But right now... We're at another war. And this Ukraine thing has been going on for over a decade now. And the State Department in the United States is wholly responsible for the BS and the crap that's going on right now. 
And they just keep on creating the mess and then putting the fire out and then following their tail like dummies. These, these people that are so-called educated people that work at these so-called think tanks in D.C. have got to be about the stupidest people on the planet. Constantly spending other people's money to create a whole bunch of mess. And they're the first ones to put that Black Lives Matter flag up on top of their embassy. And they're the first ones to put that rainbow flag up on top of their embassy. They stand for nothing. It's insane. <clears throat> it's absolutely absurd. And right now, you take a look at Victoria Newland, who's still at the top of the heap, and Jeffrey Pyatt. And do we recall that call? Now, there's going to be um, one uh, uh, one curse word in this thing. I'm going to try to avoid it if I can. But I want you to take a listen because we're going to go back to 2014 and the nation building that was involved with that. And you wonder why in the world were we nation building? And you know why it is? Because it had everything to do with our fight against Russia. The Vietnam War. Also, Russian aggression. They were expanding. And then the Afghanistan War had something to do with Russia. Syrian conflict had something to do with Russia. It's always about Russia being bad, Russia being evil. And Lindsey Graham, every step of the way, and John McCain, every step of the way, would just talk about how evil Putin is. The only one that made sense out of it all, and the only one that did it right, and the only one that was actually correct, out of all the leaders we've had in a long time, has been Donald Trump. And the reason why Donald Trump, the reason why Donald Trump got it right is because he wanted to bring Russia back into the G7 and make it the G8 again. He wanted to normalize relations. And if, if, and it was the Democrats that wanted to create a wedge by creating this Russian hoax the Russian hoax was just made up out of whole cloth by Hillary Clinton and, and her State Department friends. You know, Fiona Hill and George Kent and all these people were in bed with Ukraine. And they didn't have Ukraine's best interests at heart. They had their children's pocketbooks' best interests at heart. They had Burisma and all kinds of other oil programs. They wanted Poroshenko to start charging his citizens for oil and the profits were going to come somewhere. It had a lot to do with the oil leases. And Russia was basically trying to build the Nord Stream pipeline to skirt around and not pay a toll in Ukraine. And it was the Democrats and the neocons and uh, like uh, Lindsey Graham and even Victoria Nuland and uh, and a lot of others that uh, were in bed with Ukraine to try to get a piece of that oil action. You know, I knew a guy named Jim Given a long time ago in the in the early nineties, and he was he was in, in heavily invested in Kazakhstan, and he was basically a gatekeeper to the to the drill, oil drilling from the West in Kazakhstan to mine for that oil, to drill for that oil. And 
he was able to get super rich. I mean, this guy had a Bentley and a personal driver. He spent 150000 just one day on furniture. I know, I was their IT guy. And back in the day, <clears throat> Nazarbayev would walk into his office on, on any given day. <laughs> they would go fly off to Amati and spend time with Nazarbayev. They were connected. And all the business ran through this one trusted man. Nazarbayev's right-hand man to drill for oil in Kazakhstan. Oil's a dirty business. And it's a very, very um, deadly business on the private black markets. The things that go on in the oil business are unreal. And the amount of money that people make the red carpets that get rolled out, the private jets, and all kinds of things. I've seen it with my eyes firsthand decades and decades ago, 30 years ago, I saw this with my own eyes. And nothing has changed. And you walk into uh, Jim Giffen's office back in the day, and guess, guess who was in his office? Not only was he on the cover of Business Week, but... You walk into his office and he's with George Herbert Walker Bush and George Herbert Walker Bush's dog and George Herbert Walker Bush is in his robe. I mean, the guy was connected and the Bushes were directly involved in the shady oil businesses that involved Eastern Europe. No doubt about it. It was there in black. It was right there in color picture. I saw it with my own two eyes. And ever since, ever since then, Lindsey Graham and John McCain have always been on the wrong side of foreign policy, but not so much because they were the dumbest people in the room, which they likely are not very smart, but they're greedy and they love money more than country and they sold out America and this is what they did. They just did it. They did it because they could get away with it. It's the reason why they keep running for a six-year term and they keep getting richer and richer from it. And Lindsey Graham is the worst of the worst. And it's kind of interesting because also uh, we fast forward all the way up to the mess that we're in now. And part of it likely was a cover-up and the other part was likely the greed. And we're not going to let Russia take away our, 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 our cash cow. <clears throat> At some point, you know, you could buy Ukraine for how much money, right? His wife was on 60 Minutes and there, uh, Tucker Carlson was showing that interview and it was like, you know, so weak. People were waving their Ukraine flags around. They don't have a clue as to the corruption that's going on with Zelensky and with Ukraine and the globalists and their oligarchs basically doing the following. Just like we were financing ISIS to protect the oil fields and the oil wells and the oil pipelines going into Europe uh, out of Iraq because Iraq was sort of lawless, the Wild West, after the Bushes destroyed the place. 
And they overthrew Lindsey Graham. I mean, not, not Lindsey Graham. They overthrew Gaddafi in Libya. And they overthrew Egypt. These were basically toll collectors. If you're going to run oil through our lands, you're going to pay a toll. Ukraine was a toll collector. So Russia had its own interests. And the United States politicians had their interests on countries and soils that weren't even theirs. And the reason why they didn't have it here is because we're not set up that way. We're not a, a run by a bunch of oligarchs. We're, we're a republic. And states have rights. And we have the Federalist Papers. And we have a whole bunch of other things. So Lindsey Graham can't exploit the American businessman the way he can exploit the free frontier, the open plains and prairies of Iraq, because we just destroyed and did a nation rebuilding, a regime change. And they used to always say, we're not into regime change. We're not into nation building. Well, that's all we do. That's all we do, folks. And Ukraine is nothing different. Zelensky's nothing but a puppet of the globalists. And they're, they're trying to... They're already trying to turn Georgia Maloney into a uh, globalist puppet. You watch. It's happening already. She endorsed what was happening in Ukraine. Uh, She rejected Russia's takeover and annexation of those four regions in Ukraine. And you know what? I don't think she would have normally done that. But she did it. You know why? Because they would have treated her just like they did Imran Khan who said, I'm buying my oil from wherever I want. I'm going to get it from Russia. It's the easiest. Boom. Comes right over here. We need to provide energy for our people. Otherwise, we're going to have an economic collapse. And no matter how much money you pay me, it's never going to be enough if we can't get our cheap oil from Russia. So they said, well, that's fine. You're going to be thrown out of office. And surely he was in April of this year. And we said the same thing basically to the Taliban. We're going to give Taliban $80 billion just to get the heck out of there. It's not worth it to us. There's no oil there. So, you know, we don't really care about the terrorism or the lives lost or or uh, the memorial of 9-11 as much as we care about how profitable the Afghani war was to someone like Kofor Black and Mitt Romney who financed that thing all the way to the hilt working with Rumsfeld and and uh, the Bushes. I mean, it's always been about this stuff. But the money ran dry in Afghanistan, and we just said, take our $80 billion worth of stuff, set up your government, and try to just stay out of trouble. But Imran Khan bucked the system with this Ukraine conflict and said, "We're buying my oil from wherever I want, they threw him out of office, and now they have an arrest warrant out for him as of this past weekend, where... He basically said the police and the judge tortured one of my aides and I'm going to sue them. And for that, they got him on terrorism. Threatening to sue apparently is terrorism. So everybody's trying to wonder and figure out, you know, who blew up the uh, pipeline, which is really an act of war and the biggest environmental disaster. Do you think they really care about the environment with all that methane gas going in to the Baltic Sea? Nah. They don't care. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. They want to put a carbon footprint uh, and a, sell you a carbon credit and give you a carbon footprint that's, that's 
that's hardly enough, no matter how much money you want to spend at it, they want to jack the price up of gas because they want you to buy their electric vehicles because they got mines in Congo and battery manufacturers in China. Remember last week we told you about the Hunter Biden and the uh, BHR and Biden uh, Hunter Robert is the name of the con- company. He invested Chinese money into Freeport McMoran, who invested that money into a Congo uh, cobalt mine. And they were manufacturing cobalt to provide to Emirex, uh, which is a Chinese battery manufacturer. So you got that. You got Fauci's chemical weapons in China. And you got Dayzak and uh, Echo Alliance. New $600 million rolled out to him before Fauci gets out the door. And it's a payoff. But we also know that in Ukraine, they had these uh, lab research, micro, like micro labs. They had these basically bio labs, just like in Wuhan. And so all along, these black markets and these uh, uh, corrupt deals... They were making politicians rich, impacting American policy and tax dollars going out the door into Ukraine. And all the while, all the while, what was really happening is they were acting like they were being patriotic about it. Mitt Romney and Kofor Black were acting very patriotic about helping bring the Taliban down to its knees. Lindsey Graham and John McCain would waltz around the world uh, in Lithuania, M- M- Montenegro, and uh, Ukraine, and uh, and basically try to uh, and work with the Taliban. I mean, work with the uh, Al Qaeda, which became ISIS, and became basically a mercenary rebel force to protect the oil interests of Iraq and really what amounted to be Europe. Because remember, the U.N. was involved with the oil for food scandal before all that happened. And Kofi Annan and his son Kujo were involved in a violation of, uh, with, uh, with oil for food scandal. And that money that was supposed to be for food was actually going into facilitating mining and drilling of oil. And Elf Oil and uh, the French president at the time, Jacques Chirac, were and and also the guy that's head of Gazprom right now, the German chancellor at the time, uh, Schroeder, were all in bed with Saddam Hussein drilling for oil interests. They already had connections. They already had licenses. They already had leases. They already had what they needed. So when Iraq was overthrown by Herbert or by George W. Bush, uh, the oil was secured by. What ultimately became ISIS rebels paid for by the Obama regime to make sure that the oil went north into Europe through Syria and Turkey. And Erdogan became a good friend of Obama. And then they overthrew Libya uh, so they could send oil south into Africa and double their money. And Egypt was a thorny component of that. And uh, they needed to get rid of these toll collectors, these countries that were extorting too much money. And so they got rid of them. 
They got rid of everybody that was in the way. Just like a mob movie. Ah, oh, let's get rid of this guy. He's he's asking too much. He's too much trouble. It's too expensive. Let's get rid of him. He's worth more dead than alive. Oops. Sorry about that, folks. I didn't know that was on. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Well, the caller, caller, are you on the air? Nope. Apparently not. All right. Well, we're going to turn that off anyway. Um, sorry about that, folks. Uh, there's a whole bunch of buttons over here. Let's take a listen. Let's bring it. Let's bring it up to speed. Okay. Let's bring it up to where we are right now. So, it, well, first we want to play this clip. 2014. Why in the world is Jeffrey Pyatt and Victoria Newland? Why are they meddling in the Ukrainian election? Let's take a listen. Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. So that's Vitaly Klitschko, one of the Klitschko brothers, right? And they've been front and center during this new Ukraine conflict, right? And so the Klitschkos are real popular, popular, uh, popular personalities in Ukraine. And basically, they are uh, boxers, right? Uh, world heavyweight champion boxers. So now they're famous and they're in power. And Yatsenyuk uh, is, they call him Yats, um, Yatsenyuk. Uh, they think that the two are going to be like oil and water and that they wouldn't mix well. That the Klitschkos are too dominating, and that it might pose a, a poor marriage. Let's take a lesson. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Klitsch should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. So she's talking about Klitschko. When she says Klitsch, she's talking about Klitschko. This is Torian Newland. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what, in terms of him not... Paya doesn't even know what to say at this point. He's confused, like, whoa, I didn't see her saying that. I'm, <laughs> he's an idiot. And then he's trying to kiss Newland's ass but, but or, or butt, but he's trying to figure out a way to make sense of what she just said. Not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And you know, I'm sure Book. that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Yanukovych. Um, President I, at the I, time. I, I just I think Yatz is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah. She's basically saying Klitschko is too much of an alpha male. Working for Yatsenyuk isn't going to work. Keep Klitschko out. 
No, I think that's you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Is the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting, and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, the three plus one conversation or three plus two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think I mean that's what he proposed. But I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them, where. Um, Klitschko has been the top dog. He's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got, and he's probably talking to his guys at this point. So, and by the way, this was under John Kerry's uh, uh, leadership. Uh, basically, Hillary Clinton, you know, screwed up the Middle East with Benghazi, and then it was John Kerry, and John Kerry now is the climate czar, uh, basically the spearhead, tip of the spear for the globalist agenda in Europe. I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written... Oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the U.N. guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it and, you know, fuck the E.U., no, exactly, and I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych did that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we can probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. So that's right. Joe Biden and, uh, and uh, Jake Sullivan, who are now in charge of our foreign policy. So, so that's, uh, that's that part. And... Uh, why are they meddling in uh, this Ukrainian election? And then you got this audio clip from uh, 2016, while President Trump just won the election, and you got Biden with uh, President Poroshenko. I told, here's what I told them. I told them to get back there and set a date, and I would talk to you about the date. Um, because this is getting very, very close. What I don't want to have happen I don't want Trump to get in a position where he thinks he's about to buy onto a policy where the financial system is going to collapse 
and he's going to be looked to to pour more money into Ukraine. That's how he'll think about it before he gets sophisticated enough to know the details. So anything you can do to push the, the, the Pravat Bank uh, um, to closure so that the IMF loan comes forward, I would respectfully suggest is critically important to your economic as well as physical security. I know it's difficult. I know Kolomorsky is a pain in the ass and a problem for everybody, but, um, but it really is critical that, uh, that, that, that we, you guys figure this one out. And you've been good. So, again, he's violation of the Logan Act right there, meddling in our foreign policy. Uh, and then there's this meme. It says, who hates the Russian pipelines? USA. Who tried to stop them from being built? USA. Who said they would destroy them? USA. Who benefits from their destruction? USA. Who destroyed them? We have no idea, says our foreign policy. Um, let's take a listen to this quick clip from Condoleezza Rice. Eighty percent of Russian exports are in oil, gas and minerals. Uh, people say, well, the Europeans will run out of energy. Well, the Russians will run out of cash before the Europeans run out of energy. And I understand that it's uncomfortable uh, to have an effect on business ties in this way. Uh, but this is one of the few instruments that we have. To, over the long run, you simply want to change the structure of energy dependence. You want to depend more on the North American energy platform, the tremendous bounty of oil and gas that we're finding in North America. You want to have pipe lines that don't go through Ukraine and Russia. Uh, for years, we've tried to get the Europeans to be interested in different pipeline routes. It's time to do that. And so some of this is simply acting. and act- So again, what we're faced with is we want Europe to buy more North America oil, and Russia wants Europe to buy more European oil, and he's got Germany in his pocket. That's one of the other problems is Germany is in his pocket. Let's take a listen to this uh, smoking gun. All right, now this is uh, this is where um, Trump is calling out Germany on all this. But in addition, this person who tweeted this is basically saying, uh, trying to figure out, you know, who blew up the pipeline. And of course, it's the United States. Right here. Terrorist attack on the Nord Stream 2. It is a tragedy. I think it's a July 2018 thing that's being done where you are feeding billions and billions of dollars from Germany primarily and other countries, but primarily from Germany into the coffers of Russia. The sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 project are included in a wide ranging U.S. defense spending bill. The sanctions target companies involved in the almost 10 billion euro project to double the pipeline capacity carrying Russian natural gas to Europe's leading economy, Germany. Biden's team has already spoken out against the project, saying President Biden will seek to strengthen Europe's energy independence, but he will continue to impose or oppose Nord Stream 2 as a fundamentally bad deal for Europe. What would these sanctions be? Could, could they be... A- That's the voice of Jake Sullivan right here. Let's take a listen again. Deal for Europe. What would these sanctions be? Could could they be enough to to block the now nearly completed Russian pipeline? Well, that's certainly the hope of of, uh, members of Congress on both sides of the aisle on Capitol Hill. Uh, They've really 
sort of mounted an all-out offensive over the last few weeks. Taking action that will prevent it from ever becoming operational. Senator Johnson. Thank you, President. Putin moves Victoria on Newland. Ukraine. Our expectation is that the pipeline will be suspended. If uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. Authorities are investigating whether sabotage is the cause of leaks in the Nord Stream gas pipelines connecting Russia to Europe. Scientists recorded explosions in the Baltic Sea before detecting three simultaneous leaks. The Russian gas lines are essential. They supply 35% of gas from Russia into Europe. Um, This is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Yeah, well, it's his oil, right? He could do with it what he wants. What, what is it our business to do that? And here's the other part of the Ukraine equation. Let's take, take a listen to Victoria Newland. Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Ukraine has a biological... So we got... We got- Oil uh, investments that counter Russia's interests. We have biological weapons, not nuclear, but biological weapons at Russia's doorstep. And somehow Russia is just going to be just fine with that. Let's take a listen. Um, With regard to Nord Stream 2, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations Uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. It's not for her to say. Here's U.S. Senator Ron Johnson discusses rolling back, preventing, taking action, and ending it permanently regarding Nord Stream 2 with a key architect of the 2014 coup in Ukraine, Victoria Nuland. Let's take a listen. The first Nord Stream pipeline cut the amount of Russian gas that needed to flow through Ukraine from 80% to about 55%. And so if Nord Stream 2 were to become operational, because right now it isn't, but that would double Russia's ability to cut Ukraine out of their business. And so here is the discussion that was had about that pipeline in the December 7th hearing. Here's Senator Ron Johnson speaking to Victoria Newland. I can't think of a, a more powerful way to punish uh, Russian aggression than by rolling back what progress has been made and, if at all possible, uh, prevent the Nord Stream 2 from ever being completed. Uh, is that something that is being discussed with allies? Is that something that's being contemplated? Absolutely. And as as you recall from the July U.S.-German statement, that was very much uh, in that statement that if any moves Russian aggression against Ukraine 
uh, would have a direct impact on the pipeline, and that is our expectation and the conversation that we're having. So again, direct impact is one thing, but I'm, I'm literally talking about rolling back the, the, the pipeline. And I can loosely define that, but I mean taking action that will prevent it from ever becoming operational. I think if President Putin moves on Ukraine, our expectation is that the pipeline will be suspended. Well, I certainly hope uh, that the Senate Foreign Relations Committee would take up uh, legislation to go beyond just suspending it, but from ending it permanently. So that's a Republican Ron Johnson also advocating for World War III. First question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. He's going to make promises. <laughs> yeah, where's the sovereignty? And this has been going on for a long time. You know, we have a lot of uh, dialogue, even. Um, it says here, like uh, this, breaking, an advisor to a Burisma-linked D.C. firm is now a senior staffer for the January 6th committee. How do you like that? And there's also a new wrinkle with respect to Elon Musk and his Starlink satellites in Ukraine. You know, they're definitely the good guys when they threaten the man who gave the Starlink because he suggested a plan that would bring peace but stop the flow of billions of dollars from the West into their corruption uh, country every week. So basically, uh, Elon Musk came up with a, you know, a valid solution um, to negotiate. You know, Crimea uh, would be handed over to Russia and some other things would happen uh, and there could be peace. And um, Elon, they're, they're basically trashing Elon Musk in Ukraine right now. And he donated the Starlink phone system, star, uh, satellite system. Or sold it to them for a song. Um, and then also yesterday, of course, uh, uh, Biden was in Puerto Rico and he said he was uh, raised in the Puerto Rican community of the hard, cold section of Scranton. You know, he was basically trying to say he was raised in this Puerto Rican section of Claymont, Delaware. So this guy writes a parody and he says... So he was raised in the Puerto Rican community of the hard coal section of Scranton while living in Delaware and being the only white guy in the bad part of town, being a lifeguard standing up to pop, corn pop and marching for civil rights while driving a big rig truck. Got it. You know, he lied about all those things. Biden did. People are making fun of him on this. Oh, right. The Puerto Rican section of Claymont, Delaware is etched in my memory right next to Archmere Academy. <laughs> Cornito, Cornito Papo 
was a bad dude. I suppose it's better than calling them breakfast tacos, which is what Jill called them. Let's take a listen to some clips, a uh, recent clip of Lindsey Graham. Let's take a listen to this. So this is a pivotal moment in the history of man, the future of Europe. And in the 21st century, we're having the same discussions that we did in the last century. Have we learned nothing from the last century? What should we have learned? That when it comes to bullies and crazy people who want to you know, put the world under the thumb like Hitler, we should believe what they say. We should stand up to them sooner rather Yeah, right. It's calling for World if War Putin III would with actually explode a nuclear and, weapon and inside dogs. of Ukraine to stand all of us down and back us off. I think the reaction should be overwhelming. It should be catastrophic to Russia, as uh, Mr. Sullivan said. I support that statement. I hope NATO will echo that statement. But from my point of view, uh, the use of a nuclear weapon by Russia and Ukraine would be an attack on NATO itself. The radiation would not be confined to Ukraine. You would be. So he's calling for all-out world war. Now this is in uh, after the 2016 election. John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and Amy Klobuchar went to Ukraine and declared the Russian attack. Uh, Russian attacked the USA by hijacking the election. Let's take a listen. Uh, I'm going to go back and tell our colleagues what Russia's up to and the, and the politics, uh, what they're doing in the Ukraine. We're going to get briefed about Georgia. We hope to make 2017 a year of offense. We believe that Putin has hacked into our elections in America, that he's trying to undermine democracy all over the world, and it's time for new sanctions to hit him hard as an individual, his energy sector, his banking sector. It is time to push back against Putin, but be a better friend to our allies over here, including Georgia. Uh, this is a very important trip. We just left Ukraine, uh, where we've seen firsthand uh, what happens uh, when Russia uh, crosses over into a country's independence, and we saw it in our own election uh, with the attempt to influence our election. We will be working for much tougher sanctions against Russia. They uh, attacked the United States of America. The hacking was an attack, and we should be treated as such, and we think their financial institutions and other aspects of the Russian economy should be addressed, and we will strongly urge our colleagues to enact more meaningful and stronger sanctions against taking out sanctions when they do sanctions they're talking about individual oligarchs sanctioning them and de paralyzing them and their ability to invest in a pipeline that's going to compete with theirs so basically the sanctions are a way to silence or get rid of your opponents like they do here in america uh, people that are threatening their very existence, they're using their FBI, Gestapo, Stasi police to basically go after them and knock down their doors and, and threaten them. Let's take a listen to this. This is uh, their visit in Ukraine, the one they were just talking about. I admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland. He's talking to the Ukrainian soldiers. Your fight is our fight. Lindsey Graham. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. 
It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you is to take your calls to Washington. Inform the American people of your bravery and make the case against Putin to the world. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. And we have succeeded not because of equipment, but because of your courage. So, I thank you, and the world is watching, and the world is watching because we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to succeed here, because if he succeeds here, he will succeed in other countries. Я вам дуже дякую, і весь світ за цим слідкує. І весь цим світ за цим слідкує, тому що ми не можемо дозволити Володимиру Путіну тут перемогти. Адже And then here's Lindsey Graham making another fool of himself here talking about regime change. We're in a fight for the the, the future of Europe. Uh, NATO needs to get bigger, not smaller. If Finland and Sweden join NATO, and Europe breaks away from dependence on Russian oil and gas, and Putin's declared a war criminal, it'd be the best outcome for the world writ large. China would be less likely to go into Taiwan. So I disagree. I think we should do everything within our power. I'm not asking for troops on the ground, but to make sure that Ukraine can expel Russia and that Putin's a war criminal in the eyes of the world and that he's prosecuted. Putin must go. I like Tom Frieden, but if you, if you don't understand this, that if Putin's still standing after all this, then the world's going to be a very dark place. China's going to get the wrong signal, and we'll have a mess on our hands in Europe for decades to come. So let's take out Putin by helping Ukraine. All right, so you're saying that that's how this ends, that Putin is removed. Uh, is there any way— There's no off-ramp. There is no off-ramp. No off-ramp. So let me tell you why there's no off-ramp. The Ukrainians are not going to give the East to Putin uh, to, to stop the war. They're going to fight for every inch of their territory. If we push the Ukrainians to give up half the country, then Putin wins. If we back off prosecuting Putin as a war criminal, all the laws on the books become a joke. If we don't get this right, China will certainly invade Taiwan. There is no off-ramp in this war. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And I hope and pray and do everything in my power to make sure Ukraine wins. And Putin is in charge of a state sponsor, state sponsor of terrorism. That designation needs to be given uh, to Russia. He's earned that designation. We need to pour it on when it comes to helping Ukraine. Last thing, at what point do you think Putin is going to move on Moldova or Poland or some other way that draws the West in? Do you think that that's inevitable as he gets more desperate? 
Well, Bondova is not part of NATO, but I do believe he could use chemical weapons because the people of Mariupol are fighting like tigers. If he uses chemical weapons to subdue the East, that should uh, lead to a no-fly zone by NATO to restore the international order. If he explodes a nuclear weapon inside of Ukraine to break our will, then to me that would be an attack on NATO because the radiation will go all over Europe. I could see him getting more desperate because there is no off-ramp for him. Here's what I think will happen. If we stick with Ukraine, they're not going to give up. Over time, the Russian people will turn on Putin. This war is a disaster. You'll see a parade Monday, but the parade doesn't reflect the Russian military. You see the Russian military getting their ass handed to them on the battlefield in Ukraine. We can win this war uh, on behalf of Ukraine if we... So he's basically fighting tooth and nail for his own financial interests in Ukraine and the oil pipelines coming out of the Middle East uh, because he wants an end to, he wants to, he wants Ukraine in charge of the pipelines because that's where they're making the money. If the, the Nord Stream 2 goes through Ukraine, then they're heavily invested in that cash cow. And what Russia's doing is saying, we don't want to be paying all these Western politicians. We, we want our own pipeline to go around Ukraine and not have to deal with with Ukraine anymore. That was what sort of uh, what was Crimea about. You know, that was what Crimea was about. They, they, in part of their development, they wanted to side skirt that. Of course, Obama turned a blind eye. Remember when Obama said, after my election, I'll have more flexibility? And it was after the Sochi uh, Olympics, the Winter Olympics up there. So, you know, it's, it's all about the oil money. It's all about the finances. And it's all about the corruption. And these politicians are fighting tooth and nail, but they're putting every single person's lives at risk. And China sees what's happening and knows exactly what's pl- what, the, what the play is. North Korea just blew up another missile, sent up another missile over Japan into South Korea's space. Um, They have no respect for the Biden regime and neither does um, China. China is going to enter Taiwan whenever they feel like it. And they know that America is going to be knee deep in corruption in the Middle East with Iran and in Ukraine. And they're they're not going to have a say. Now, we know that uh, Pelosi went over to Taiwan and secured a bunch of new tax dollars over there. Uh, who knows what kind of kickbacks are going to be involved with that and the chips manufacturing legislation. legislation. But there, we're meddling, but we're meddling for all the wrong reasons. Not for American security, but for neocon and liberal politician profits. That's the biggest problem that we're facing with right now is our own government that's, that's uh, locking up their political dissidents and corrupting world politics. And the economy can't sustain it. And we're going to have a global depression at some point in the near future. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out tacticalcivics.com. Find out how you can take your country back locally. Use, uh, visit magapac.org and use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com. We're a stand the mounds. See you steeper. next time on the radio. Grab Goodbye, a shovel, everybody. dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.